Hi, I'm Beck. And I'm Paul. And this is DVD Clutter. Yes, you're listening to DVD Clutter, the show that combines DVDs and decluttering. If this is the first time you've listened, um, welcome. Good on you. Yeah. Jumping in. Bit yeah. of Drew. Never heard anybody. No. And if this is the first time you've listened, probably this film means something to you. And welcome <laughs> aboard. It means something to me too. <laughs> um, yes. So this show, we go through all our DVDs. We revisit them, rewatch them, recontextualize them in the world we live today. Mm-hmm. And then we decide what we're going to do with them. Yeah, because it all started because Paul has 500 DVDs. Yes. No one should have that many DVDs. <laughs> it's no. like, you know the scene in the Beauty and the Beast when there's... The library. Um, the library. <laughs> yeah. That's what your DVD collection that's is it. like. That's that's exactly it. And I bring up Beauty and the Beast because today we're talking about Ever After. Yeah. Which is one of my films. And yes, and Beck's going to have to decide whether she keeps it. Yep. Whether it's donated. Yep. Or whether it is like a pair of wings <laughs> torn off in a public setting and then ruined in the rain on the way home <laughs> that's very good yeah, yeah. <laughs> um what by that paul means uh put it in the destroyed bin. yeah <laughs> um yeah ever after so yeah, what year was this film 2000 no 1998 uh, okay yeah 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 1998 yes and so i was probably primary school probably primary school i was in primary school <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Math checks out. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was in primary school when this film came out. You were not born. It's just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I was seven, so I was also in primary school. Oh god damn it! I was in year one actually, nineteen ninety eight. Oh, good. Yeah. I was in year four. Brilliant. No five. Ooh, wow. Eight five. Yep. Um. Anyway, enough of our primary <laughs> primary school journey. Mm. <laughs> what a time. Um. Uh, so we're talking about ever after. And I guess I'll... Parentheses, a Cinderella story. Oh, yeah, sorry. A Cinderella story. Um, I guess I'll tell you how the film came into my life. Yeah. This film is one of the earliest films that I remember falling in love with. Wow. Oh, no. It would have gone Peter Pan, the Disney version oh, of yep. Peter Pan. Animated. He can Animated. fly. He can fly. Exactly. Um, and then this. And I can't remember where... Or when I first watched it, but I remember getting it on VHS. Ah, uh, yeah. For Christmas or birthday, and then when DVDs came out, mm. I remember being like, "Oh, well, I'm always going to have a VHS player because I need to watch this film. Yep. I need to be able to watch this film." And then at some point, obviously, my VHS has disappeared. I don't know where, but it's been replaced by this lovely DVD. Beautiful. So I have always had it in my life yep. since 1998. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I just loved it because I was, I don't know if you can tell this from the ones, the films that I've picked so far to look at, especially Moulin Rouge, oh, um, yeah. the last one, but I was a very romantic child. Oh, like knowing you, uh, as long as I've known you, I also know other films that you quite enjoy, including the pirate movie <laughs> and yeah. watching this, cause I'd never seen it before watching this, like about 10 minutes in, I'm like, oh yeah, this is Beck. <laughs> 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 This is a hundred percent Beck movie. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I, it's you know, we talked in our episode before the last one. We talked about um, the formation of identity mm-hmm. when you are an adolescent. Yep. And yeah, how adolescents are forming their identity and trying to figure out who they are, and how media can become a part of that 
identity. And this is very much a part of my identity to the point where like I've got, I bought, they talk a lot about um, Utopia yep. by Thomas More. Yep. And I have that book upstairs. Brilliant. Yep. Can you quote it? <laughs> um, a man is not really... No, I can't quote it. Yes. Um, so, yes, very formational part of part of my mm. identity formation. What's it called? Formative. Yeah. This yep. film is very formative to me. Um, and, and definitely part of the values and the beliefs and the story and everything has been embedded in my identity. So watch what you say, or I might go ghost bros on you. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I'm just I will, we'll hold my tongue. But before we get into our review, I should give a plot breakdown. Please do. Um, I'm going to be pretty brief with this one because... I think we might all be familiar with yeah, the story. It is the story of Cinderella. It is. And look, I had no idea of what this was coming into it. I kind of assumed it was going to be like a modern retelling, but nah, it is full-on just old-school Cinderella. Wait, so you... You had never seen this film before. No. Had you heard of it? I'd seen the poster. Yeah. And it always assumed that was Julia Stiles on the front. I don't know how you did that. but it, She looks in the poster, and we're going to put it up on the Instagram. Yeah. She looks like Julia Stiles. Her, I think the top half of her face kind of looks like Julia Stiles. Yeah. But the bottom half definitely looks like Julia Stiles. Because it's been Photoshopped to buggery. Because the guy <laughs> who's the prince in it doesn't look a thing like the prince in the actual movie. I don't movie. think that's actually him. Yeah, it's just some other random dude in the poster, isn't it? I think it is a random poster, dude. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, anyway, it's... The story of Cinderella changes on the original. Um, well, what are we talking about the original? Like, not the Grimm's version. Yeah, let's changes on the Disney version <laughs> that we you. all sort of know. Yeah, is it, we've got a little prelude and then postlog. Yeah, um, of the brothers Grimm. Yeah, coming to talk to the Queen of France. Yep. <laughs> ab- about their version of Cinderella. Yeah, and turns out she knows the actual story. She's like. I was very disturbed by yeah. your retelling of the story of the little cinder girl. Yeah, so so she re- retells it. We find out that who is to become Cinderella, Danielle, in this movie, yeah. uh, was raised by her dad. Yeah. He goes off, marries this baroness, and yeah. then promptly dies, yeah. like, straight away. Yeah, like two weeks later. Yeah. Uh, and then she has to be raised by this evil stepmother. Played expertly by Angelica Houston. Best part of the movie is Angelica Houston. That's debatable. Um, Yep. We cut forward to the future. Now Cinderella is Drew Barrymore. Um, (laughs) She's transformed into Drew Barrymore. The sisters have grown up too and they're, well, one of them's really mean. One of them's only a little bit mean. Yeah. Drew Barrymore gets involved with the prince by pretending to be a noblewoman. Yep. Uh, He falls in love with her. Yep. Uh, we should just say that she gets involved with the prince by pretending to be a noblewoman to save a servant who's been yeah. sold into slavery. That's just it. So she doesn't go out to try and win the prince over. No, it, ha- not at all. it kind of happens just because. Yeah. It just happens. He falls in love with her. At the same time, the stepmother's trying to get him to marry Marguerite. Marguerite. Her, the, one, her blonde daughter. Yeah, the mean the bitchy one. one. Yeah. Uh, his parents want him to marry this Spanish princess, princess for the sake of the get, country. To get France and Spain all hooked up. Hooked up. Um, he doesn't want to marry either of them. He falls in love with Danielle under a pseudonym. Yep. Her pseudonym is... Her mother's Nicole old name. Nicole de Locre. Yep. Then he throws a ball. She turns up. <laughs> oh, he throws a ball. <laughs> There's a scene that he plays tennis. Oh, yeah. And he's, like, hitting the ball. He and when you said ball. he throws a ball, I thought, I thought that's what you meant. Yeah. Which yeah so I... He throws a masked ball. Yep. Throws a masked ball. Danielle turns up. Stepmother's like, hey, she's just a servant. He's like, oh shit, I don't want to marry a servant. He starts. So there's a lot more passion in the movie than when Paul's retelling. Um, no fairy godmother. Instead, Da Vinci's kind of there, yeah, being da like, she's the fairy godmother. I'm gonna help you out a bit. No pumpkin. No. Shortchanged on that one. Yeah. Um, then 
Is that the worst part of the film for you? <laughs> well, she gets to the ball. He's like, I'm not marrying a, I'm not marrying a servant. Then he's about to marry the Spanish lady. He goes, oh, actually, I'm not going to marry you. I'm going to marry that servant. Yeah, because the Spanish lady's like, I don't want to marry you either. Yeah. She's got it. her own love life. Yeah. She's fallen in love with someone else who's not. she's not meant to be marrying. Yeah, that balding guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, why is her man so ugly? No, he goes, it's not, sorry, it's not ugly. He's he goes just... off to find Danielle. She's been sold to this real, sold to this real evil dude. Yep. Um, but she escapes him. Yeah. The prince finds her in this weird sort of courtyard filled with random fires. <laughs> Yeah, it's the courtyard of the evil dude who yeah, like he has to a lot burn of shit apparently. And... Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I feel like I'm a bit too harsh. Yeah, you <laughs> you're decimating my favorite film. <laughs> Runs through it. Um, they get together. They get married, and um, guess what? The evil stepmother and her evil daughter have to go work as servants. They get their comeuppance. They get their comeuppance because they lied to the queen. Uh huh. And of now France. Danielle is France. a princess. Yeah. And then we get the postlog bringing it back to the queen telling the story. And I was like, oh, the queen's going to be Danielle or the queen's going to be one of the stepsisters or whatever. But it wasn't. She was like, oh, yeah, that was ages ago. That was my great, great uh, grandmother. That was before the revolution and stuff. Anyway, see you, Grim Brothers. And then they're right away. (laughs) It's the perfect end to a perfect story. All six hours of the film. Six hours? 116 minutes. Oh, no, I must have just felt like that. Really? Oh, my God. (laughs) I don't want to do this podcast anymore. Oh, no. I can't do this. Did you hate it? No, I didn't hate it. Hate's a really strong word. Did you strongly dislike it? Completely inoffensive. But what about... What about... um, It's not offensive. It's taking the offense... No, I don't know. Yeah, go on. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's not even offensive. It's... It's the opposite. It's the, the it's opposite powerful. of offensive. It's a, it's a statement on modern times. Yes. In modern times, we have good films. <laughs> like this one. Uh, before I get into my review. Oh my goodness. Go for your rose-tinted review, having rewatched it. I love this film. <laughs> You're so mean. It's so good. It's got everything. It's got a princess... I'm so sorry. It's got a prince. <laughs> She's like such a badass. Yeah. She fucking gets it. She doesn't get saved. It's a twist on the modern... Mm. It's a modern twist on the original mm. where she's not waiting around for no prince. She yeah. fucking gets herself out of all the trouble that she's in. Yeah. And then he has to apologize and beg forgiveness. Yeah. Until she agrees to marry him again. Yeah. That's it. She's... I'm not disagreeing Angela with any of that. Angelica Houston is like... Brilliant. So good. So, so good. Drew Barrymore is so good. Yeah, agreed too. There's like all this great family stuff. Da Vinci's there. Da Vinci is there. He walks on water. I don't know. I just, I still loved it. I mean, watching it this time, there was definitely things that I was like, um, like definitely things that annoyed me, I guess, but not even like, I'm sorry. I'm going to have a really hard time. I think this one is so embedded. Yeah. Embedded. Like I'm just so, this is so much a part of my life growing up that I can't see past it we're allowed to disagree Beck <laughs> aren't we and I just I you know it's like oh yeah I can't say a bad word about it brilliant <laughs> allow me <laughs> no really I've come in here as 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 the heel as the, bad, the guy. bad guy um but really you're it's, Angelica Houston it's it's in no way bad no, it's not bad it's, some would say it was good it's a, a great story a classic story yeah that, that we've often 
often heard before. Yeah. Um, my only issue is there's just so much of it. It really does drag. No, it doesn't. It does. How does it drag? It, 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 it goes for seven years. It doesn't. That's I wrong. I felt my beard growing during it. <laughs> You're wrong. There's not a bit that I would cut out. No, it, the, it look, okay. Yeah, my my number one issue is that it just dragged on to the point that I think it was detrimental to a lot of the plot points of the film. Big example being, please, this Baron that she gets sold off to at the end. Yeah, you get introduced to him very early on in the film. Yeah, so early on that yeah. I honestly forgot what his deal was he, until he pops up straight at the end and she gets sold to him. He buys. He's like wants to get in her pants. Yeah. And he buys food from them so they can survive. So they're kind of reliant on him. Yeah. I, look, I, that their farm is I, going to I shit. Get, I get the story there, except it just was so dotted intermittently throughout the story. That that's what real life is like. Real <laughs> that, life doesn't happen in that 90 I forgot minutes. what was going on and therefore felt no sort of emotional connection at the end in the scene where she does stand up to him, apart from the fact of like... But he's this got guy, in chains. This guy's clearly... A, yeah, a dick. Established though in that very second... No, it was established ages ago. It was not. It was not dropped in anywhere near enough in the movie for that no, to have any climactic value at all. Oh, there was right. also just clearly from the filmmakers a passion for the era, which I'm fine with. But to the point that they add in scenes like the tennis scene. I loved that tennis scene for no other reasons to go, apart from the fact that hey guys, did you know that they played tennis back then? But it was spe- it was royal tennis. It's did a different type. It still exists to this day. It still does exist. My I used um, to work... high school principal played oh, it. Oh really? Mm. I used to work at the. Royal Tennis Club doing some catering. But what was the point in the scene? What did, what did it matter? Marguerite had the ball. Yeah. And then she needed to hold it. Did we need <laughs> to see the full setup of the tennis court and play around? I just... I, I learned so much from this film. <laughs> I, just, I just felt that the pacing was detrimental to any establishment I had with any character. Like, honestly, give me that and um, Vivid. I'm going to cut out 40 minutes. What's and Vivid? We'll, you know, it's the editing software. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought you were talking about another film. No. I'm going to cut out 40 minutes. Well, what are you going to cut? So you're going to cut that tennis scene. I'm going to cut that tennis so scene. So how are you going to make Marguerite and the prince get together then? They'll bump into each other down the street. Oh, I'm going to cut out a lot of that sort of back and forth between the queen and Marguerite and the baroness. You can stipend that no, down quite a bit. No, this is one of the funniest scenes. Like when she gets the B in quotation marks. You can get rid of that whole scene with the gypsies where... No, because then it's another <laughs> opportunity to show how badass Danielle is. And she, she fights. She saves the prince. So there's this scene where they're off on a secret date in the forest and these gypsies that you eventually remember because it happened seven years ago that they'd accounted before with Da Vinci and the Mona Lisa um, come back to fight the prince. They fight the prince... She saves him yeah. by carrying him away because, yeah, she, because she says she says to the the gypsy says you can take with you um, anything you can carry anything you can carry. And she says do you, do I have your word on that? And he's like yeah. you have my honor as a gypsy. Yeah. So what does she do? He uses lifts her, her wits. Up. She uses her smarts. And then it cuts back to the gypsy to have this sort of half weird spiel where he's like oh what oh I guess nah come back I'll give you a horse yeah <laughs> yeah random laughing. No, he's like, that's hilarious. Trim that out there. Get rid of that whole gypsy scene. No, then the they're sort of sitting because they have then they have this beautiful scene where they um when the prince and Danielle, Henry and Danielle actually get to just be themselves and they get to bond like away from all the expectations of his family, all of the looking down on from her family, and they just get to be themselves and fall in love. Could have been done a lot quicker. No. Then there's also just random callbacks too. Like there's the bit that, oh, he always waves at the gate. 
Yeah. Forget about that until right at the end, and then, oh, we have to all stand and wait until she I'm waves sorry. to an edition. I'm sorry. And did you said, no. Did you, like, did you pass out? How do you forget about it? He waves at the gate, then he fucking dies. Yeah, he dies. You can't but, forget that. But then it's just not mentioned. The There's I no mention at all in that, the whole movie until at the end when she's going to the ball, and they're like, oh, we all have to wait for tradition. And then you get, like, a 10 second shot of the carriage just going. Yeah. And then she sticks out her hand. Like, what? What, a, what, a, what am I watching there? Um, tradition. <laughs> tradition is what I'm watching. Talk about also scenes that could have been a little more snappier. The father's death. I thought there was going to be some sort of impact there. Like, you see him look at his hand. You see him sort of establish himself. I'm like, oh, he's going to get poisoned through the gloves or something. What? No, it's clear that he's going to have a heart attack. He's, his left side of his chest is hurting. He, like, has it uncomfortable. His left hand, like, cramps up. That's how I learnt about hand cramps and heart attacks. I'm glad that was educational to you. To me, it just felt like, again, time wasted. And then we never really established, did Angelica Houston, the wife, love him? Or what was going on there? She barely knew him. Yeah, but... They'd been married two weeks. I wanted some sort of closure on what was going on. But why did she agree to marry him? Because she's... Obviously, her husband's died. Mm. What what are you, as a woman, single mother in that time? She's probably becoming destitute. She so probably doesn't have any money. Any... So she's like, okay, this guy, I don't want to move to the country, but he's proposed to me. It offers some form of stability for myself and my daughters. Like she didn't, she never wanted to move to a fucking farm, obviously. And yeah, that's why. That's what Great. being a woman in that time. I wish that been explained in a timely How? manner in the film. How is that not obvious? It, it's not obvious. And then Drew, well, Danielle confronts her stepmother about it at some stage later in the film too. Yeah. And it's just like, shut up. <laughs> Insane. No, she says I barely knew him and then she's like go away now I'm tired because yeah. she's emotional which I've edited down to one word oh <laughs> shut up my God. Um, oh. highlights of the film Angelica Houston is brilliant in absolutely every scene she is and so I good. don't I um, think everyone's pretty good in this film yeah actually you're right yeah. There's, the actors aren't to, aren't to blame but well, I just think they're uh, uh, hard done by by, their, by the editing team because you could have made this a lot snappier Maybe. Also, also, it just confused me too that I guess, and look, it was a different world in 1998, but why were they making this movie? Were they just like, it's time to do Cinderella again, but without any sort of twist apart from the fact that we don't get a pumpkin? No, it's a feminist take on it. Yeah. She's a feminist hero. No? Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't argue with that, but I still just don't think that... It's because, you know, it was, it was middle of third wave feminism. This film is all about a 90s sensibilities, like... 90s, early 2000s approach to uh, feminism and values about women put into the traditional story of Prince Saves Princess. So it's like, it's... it's but why let know, down that key message with lacklustre editing and secondary character development? Well, that's your, that's your perspective. Not everyone has that perspective. No, some would film, say film that is completely subjective. Some would say that the character of Danielle, through her smarts, through her intelligence... She is, you know, interested in social justice. She quotes fucking Utopia to the prince. She's not afraid to stand up for herself. She's not afraid to do things for those around her. And she wins him over with all of this intelligence rather than her beauty or her body or the fact that her foot fits a certain Great. <laughs> glass slipper. Could have been done with 40 minutes less time and about three 
to four less side characters that are in there no, for no reason. No, the side characters are so good. Old mate painting that's just like her friend her from best childhood. Friend. I love that relationship. It, it, it pops in and out with like so. This is a no development at all except to move the plot on. In a friend that she's had from her, when they were very little. He was like around the farmhouse mm. and they used to play. Um, he's obviously not. She's she's not from like not royalty, but like she's not from. The aristocracy, but no. she's not totally working class. No. Whereas I think he might be a little bit more working yeah. class. And you know they get into fights and stuff, and they're best friends. But think about like I loved that story. I loved their relationship because you had a platonic male-female friendship, and that's rare. I yep. think it's rare. It comes to see... and goes at a whim throughout the film. No, you forget that he it's exists, there at and the then start. he pops up when he's needed. Yeah, exactly. What else are friends for? <laughs> and he's a nice painter, and he gets to meet Da Vinci. Yeah. We are saying we're guessing he's working class because we get absolutely no insight into why he's around her or what's he doing. <laughs> also, he kind of paints her a bit and you think maybe there's something going on and Da Vinci will be like, you're a great painter, but nah, that's, yeah, da Vinci let's not bother nice with that. And let's then, and then let's he... not bother developing anyone except for the... Yeah. <laughs> you need to watch this film again. I don't think you're paying attention. Oh, I'm not going to. I'm just, oh, I'm just not going to do that. I can't believe it. I actually can't believe it. But I'm not saying that other people shouldn't watch it. I think this is this is a great watch it on TV on a Saturday afternoon with some ad breaks. They're really going to help you to sort of. No, they won't. They're going to elongate it. You're already <laughs> yeah, complaining gonna... about the length. I just think give you a chance that... to escape, and probably the TV edit probably going to cut out some of those scenes that we just don't need. I feel like this is a product of its time. Mm. In that it was really like captured the sensibilities of 1998. Yeah, and and third wave feminism and you know, rewriting traditional stories um, to match modern sensibilities. So, yeah. yeah. And they just hadn't worked out how to do it. Really you got to let that go. <laughs> You've got to let that go. It goes for seven years. It doesn't. It's captivating contemporary retelling <laughs> of the classic fairy tale. No Why matter what you're looking for, action, romance, adventure, it delivers it all. Why have the intro and the coda too? What did that add to it? The what? The, the bit with the Grimm brothers that oh, turn because up. it's an acknowledgement of the fairy tale it's like trying to um, root it in reality or sounds like a great justification later on but at the moment I don't feel like they've got any reasoning behind it feels like at the moment they don't have any reason or in the moment oh sorry it made sense to me <sighs> felt like that maybe aimed for this for TV and then shot then put it into a film but then the production value is so great that surely it wasn't for TV. I don't think it looks, it's got it's got it looks wonderful. Drew Barrymore and Angelica Houston in it. It's not made for TV. No, let's but have it, a look it at how it feels like the script was written for I TV. I think you're. Do you want? Do you know what? Mm-hmm. You know what? I think you're in the minority. This film was very well received. It has ninety one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Brilliant. And it has seven point five on Metacritic. That's wrong. <laughs> Anyway, everyone loved this film. You know that Roger Egbert guy? Yeah. Roger Ebert, not Egbert. (laughs) Egbert. He's one of the most prominent film critics. Mm. Guess what he gave it? Two thumbs up. Four out of five stars. Four out of five stars. No, sorry, three out of four. Three out of four. (laughs) Still. 75%. I think I'm happy with a 75%. And 75% of this film is what you should stay awake for. Oh my God. Because 75% of it's pretty good. Move on. Time to move on. All right, things that I learned from this film. Excellent. I learned about Utopia, the book. Great. That was interesting. Have you read it? I have not read it. It's interesting. Maybe I've had some time. Maybe you should read it. <laughs> I've spent so much time watching this movie. I learned Could about have read the whole Utopia. I learned about the word magnanimous. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that means? <laughs> no. Ah, see, sucker. I'm not going to tell the you. Movie. 
Well, I learned about it because I watched it and then I had to look it up. Brilliant. And I'm not going to share that with you. <laughs> I learned about history in yeah. general. I think historically, extremely accurate. But again, there's just bits where I feel like that outweighs... You're, not, you're just not the target market. I'm going to... Let's get you out and get someone else in. I need a new co-host. This is bullshit. <laughs> I can't change how I feel, Vic. And but, I'm you not can, dis- but you can be more open. I'm, and I'm not disagreeing with any of the pros that you've got going for so, it. So, But I still don't think they outweigh what I have you. going against it. For me. Yeah. And I think you can... You need to um, just look on the positive. Okay. And I think, you know, I think that this film is an interesting way to look at the evolution of the way we tell stories about women. Because it is, it's such a classic tale. And I'll put the classic, have you read the original? No, I have not. Okay, so I'll put the original one up on Facebook. Um, I've just got a link to it that I found online. But it's obviously nothing like this, nothing like Disney in order to get what she wants, she goes to a tree and sings under the tree and then some birds come and give I her shit. I have read that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I've been, I think it was read to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then when the, when the stepsisters are trying to get the shoe on, they cut off their cut toes off their toe and, and cut off the cut heel. Off heel. Yeah. Um, so none of that happens. Yeah. It's and very I much like based in reality. Happen. Did you? Yeah. I kind of thought it was going to be a bit more gritty. Oh no, yeah. it's not really gritty. Oh, do you know what else I learned? Mm. I learned about, um, Truffles and how people find truffles with pigs. Mm. I didn't know that before this. No, and like I'm glad it's doing that public service, but (laughs) can we agree maybe that wasn't... It's just another case of that sort of, oh, great, we found out this another historical fact. Let's put it in. But I think it... I don't think it adds. I think it does. Okay. I think it's trying to take a fantasy and base it in reality. Mm. And and like cement it in something, and that happened to be truffles. <laughs> <laughs> There's another article that I read that mm. talks about the evolution of Disney princesses, and it doesn't talk about Ever After in specifically, but it talks about the evolution of the princess in general and how yep. we can track that to waves of feminism and to the different progress that's being made in. Um, which I guess we can do with any movie, but I think yeah. it's interesting to kind of look at it through one specific trope and um and track that because it's a bit easier i guess to see the changes when you're comparing things that are similar um and she talks about i'll put this article up but she talks about how do you know what the very first disney princess snow white yeah snow white and snow white hopefully i'm pretty sure everyone will be familiar with snow white but she ends up cleaning the house for the dwarves and waiting in a coffin glass coffin for her prince to come yeah and if if you do rewatch snow white for a film with her namesake, you'll see that she doesn't actually say a lot. Or, no. Or do a lot. Do a lot. She's no, very much... Very yeah. passive. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had Cinderella, which was shortly after, which um, in the Disney version, she waits in the attic for the prince to find her. And she gets a pumpkin. <laughs> I'll fucking give you a pumpkin right now. And then you have, in the 90s, Beauty and the Beast, which is where you see a little bit of change. Some agency. Yeah, some agency. Some, some character development some around character the princess. Yep. You see that the smarts. Yep. Um, she doesn't want to get with just the handsome guy, yep. Gaston, yep. who, let's be honest, Gaston might as well be pre- Prince, um, what's his face from Cinderella? Charming. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, we don't really know much about Prince Charming and Cinderella. He could no. just be a dick. Yeah. Um, things, and then I think, I, I, and then for we're... me, this kind of fits into that trajectory yeah. of thing of just watching the the way that the princess storyline has changed over time, 
and I, it's still changing to this day. Like, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of discussion with princess stories about, about Frozen and the story of Anna and Elsa and their sisterhood being the friendship. And yeah. that's the main storyline of the, of the film. And then she obviously is that guy on the side, but he's not Prince Charming and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm. So there's, to, there's so many iterations of the princess storyline. Um, and this is one that I think was a big change for the time. And I think developed the character of Danielle very well. And I think just showed that you can, because I think also as a romantic child, I always wanted to be a princess Mm. and with a very feminist mum and feminist father, it's kind of, how do you fit your princess, your three-year-old princess ideals into a feminist form? And so seeing something like this, I think must've really resonated with me because you still get to have the big romance and the big, you know, beautiful... Um, wedding. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't see that wedding. Don't we? <laughs> no. You get, oh, no, that at the end it's not... They're right. married. Yeah, I no. I don't believe you've it. met yeah. my wife. <laughs> I thought that was a wedding. With no, that weird jester character on the side too. Did you notice that? Yeah, he's just sitting there. Yeah. What's up? Historical him? accuracy, <laughs> man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to the detriment of this story. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think... Have, seeing a princess who was who had agency, who was clever, who was into reading, who was able to make decisions for herself, and who was able to save herself, not only like being intelligent but also being strong and smart and the way she used swords um, and could fight. That was it. Really resonated with me because of my, on the one hand, wanting to be or being this romantic child who dreamt of a, a big beautiful wedding and dreamt of you know big romantic gestures but on the other hand knew that there was more to being a woman than waiting around for your prince and yeah I think having that all of that kind of encaptured in a character who I could really identify with was important yeah so screw you <laughs> what have you got to say now totally agree with you and I think looking at that trajectory Especially now as we start to see Disney remake yes. so many of their oh, old films. Do you know what I noticed? Just to, sorry, mm. in, but you know in the new Toy Story 4 that's just come out? Mm. Little Bo Peep, right? She was like in pink, in pink, in pink, and now she's wearing blue. Mm. And kicking ass. Yeah. I just think that's interesting. Anyway, keep going. No, very much so. I think tracking that arc and it, putting this one within place, I guess, as that journey progressed is very important. Yeah. And I, I think it's a it's a good trend. Yeah. Um, this film never detracted from. Mm. Uh, some would say added to. Yeah. Personally for me, though... Well, I think, you I know, you're, don't, you're I, the wrong yeah, age. That's just it. And I just don't think that the message... I think... To an extent, that message was poorly served by the film because I did find it hard to hard to engage with. Yeah. Not because of any of the story elements or the acting, but just because because of the way. And I know we're going <laughs> around in a circle here. Just the way that it was it was put together. Yeah. I don't think for maybe even just modern sensibilities was overly I enjoyable. I still didn't find it boring, but it could have been because I was deep in the uh, reminiscing. Yeah. and Deep I, in the nostalgia. That's just it. And I imagine you knew everything that was sort of coming up yeah. and you didn't have the bit that was for me of this, the shock of why. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. Um, but let's talk about some things we can definitely agree on. Um, Angelica Houston is fucking fantastic in this. Her eyebrows. Her eyebrows. They act their way to the Oscars. Like, well, they should. Well, they, they should have. They should have. They should have. Like, just, she is amazing in everything she does yeah i don't think i've seen her in something bad i mean i don't think i've seen her be bad in something i completely agree yeah and anytime she's on scene 
there's an energy added to this film that I um, that yes, might have me out. <laughs> <laughs> so she was brilliant. Drew Barrymore, I was a bit nervous of going into this. Why? I don't know. I just didn't. Especially when it, I realised it was a period piece, I was like, oh, I don't know if Drew Barrymore's chops are sort of... Because, you know, a, a period piece actor, is, actor. Is, actor is, is a sort of a breed in themselves. And I was not I was a bit worried that she wasn't going to stand up to it. But oh. she, she was really, really good. She was great, yeah. Um, and, yeah, and gets, I guess, the complexity of the character yeah. really well. And yep. um, don't want to say any of the negative things I've been saying had anything against what she does. Because yeah. Drew Barrymore... Can we just... Can we just Talk a little Have bit a about Drew, Drew Barrymore I love for a Drew second. Barrymore. She's fantastic. Oh, you know yeah, Charlie's okay. Angels. Yeah, <laughs> she was my age when she was in Charlie's Angels. Whoa. Yeah. You know she had her own production company by that stage. Yeah. Yeah. I used to, I followed her. She was one of my like idols when I was growing mm. up. Probably because of this film. Yeah. Um. But yeah, she's she's just child uh, star. Yeah. Eventually made the trans transition. Well, had some rough times. That's it. But uh, came yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Came back. Yeah. With business savvy yeah. and with an ability to pick projects that not she only to do. yeah well that's it not only had commercial appeal yeah but also pushed her own agenda yeah in a way that was just fantastic because I think she was um her production co- correct me if this is wrong but was her production company behind Never Been Kissed uh or that one I'm not sure of or were they I think they might have been That'd involved be in bias. Never Been Kissed yeah. She was definitely involved. She was the reason Donnie Darko exists. Oh, she is. Yeah. That's right. And hopefully we're going to talk about that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I've got the super deluxe set Yay, of Donnie Darko. good. I'm excited. I can't We'll wait. go down some wormholes there. <laughs> um, Lol. But even into Charlie's Angels itself, like to have a female-led action blockbuster that, yeah. just, that was such a cultural phenomenon yeah. takes a lot of smarts behind that. Yeah. And that was her. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's, she's smart. Yeah. She is smart. She's... So business savvy, but yeah. also pushing, yeah, I guess, a feminist agenda. Yeah, she has she has strong ideals and mm. is not afraid to to make sure that they are represented in the films that she is involved yeah. in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And someone get her an Oscar. But I, I don't... Like, not an Oscar for acting. Like, I'm not dissing her acting in any sense, but she needs to get a Best Picture candidate under her belt. She needs a producing Oscar. Yeah. Which I... I think that's the path she should go down. She's in some strange. Listen, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> She's in some like that that Netflix series Monte Clara Diet. Mon- yeah. is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, uh, no, Santa. Santa, Santa Clara, Clara Diet. Yeah. Yep. I don't know if I could behind that one. People at my work love it. Really? Yeah. Okay. I tried to watch it and, and I was like, a broad like, uh, spectrum of people. Okay. But, yeah, I haven't watched it either, so yeah. I can't really speak to it. All right. Hopefully, it's good. I'm sure it's good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What else do I want to talk about with this one? Oh, Toby Jones pops up in this for any Toby Jones fans. Who's Toby Jones? Uh, he's the royal page. That oh, sort of that's has, yep. the one that Angelica Houston's character has one of a the, like, yeah, little One of the multitude of characters that were sort of half-baked to an extent in this film that really could have cut down their runtime. <laughs> maybe merged them all a little bit together. But look, it gave a lot of actors a check. So yeah, let's, sure did. let's not worry about that. So I think, yeah, some of the other things, just in terms of that, you know, that new wave of... Because this is, I guess, in similar era to Clueless um, and a couple other things. And, you know, I was reading a little bit about that and it's really a part of that time when um, producers were recognising that young women were a profitable market to target films to. Yeah. Um, Because we had things like um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Xena the Warrior Princess, we had Spice Girls, and all of these were 
kind of things that were challenging gender norms yeah. and norms about what a woman was Agency like. Agency was given to the female. Yeah, and the, yeah, there's like, you know, strong female friendships in there, yeah. you know. Um, women have power both physically and that's it, but intellectually. We, but still without rejecting the feminine, wasn't just sort of saying, yeah, a female can do all this if she becomes If she's a, a masculine, dude. exactly, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like looking at the looking at the power in being feminine almost. Yeah. Like, yeah, or the power that can come with that. Anyway, so, yeah, I think this is... Uh, some of the articles I was reading about it was just talking about how this is part of that wave of realisation that young girls had money. They were great consumers and they could drive... They were starting to drive cultural tastes in a lot of ways. And I don't know, it's interesting. What do you think about the representation of... Like, if we talk about this in terms of looking at it like Clueless almost, Mm. like in in that 90s era. It is a Casey film. (laughs) Such a good film. Yeah. In terms of that, like, late 90s, early 2000s, compared to now with what... Like, what are some teen movies now? See, that's just it. We're out of the market yeah. in, that, in that sort of field. And also, I guess... Well, they're just into TV now, maybe. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. We're out of the market, but also I think the market not be there. Yeah, um, I don't think the market is there. You've got streaming services. I think it's all Netflix. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I think anything that is targeted towards the teen market at the cinema is just going to be... Um, blockbuster kind well, of. Blockbusters like or... Superhero. Or just your bread and butter jump out horror movies. They, yes. they seem to be the ones that they're the very much marketing cinema. towards yeah. teenagers. Which is so interesting. I don't... Yeah, I feel like we are missing something there mm. as a, as a oh, society. Look, and I think we're missing a lot of that, that stuff. The, um, I guess, mid, mid-budget film. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, an, an adult thriller or... A, um, I don't mean like a sexy one. <laughs> one, you know, a sensible, a sensible thriller. A sensible thriller? Yeah. Or anything to do really with crime that isn't bombastic yeah. has just gone down... Well, it's gone to TV, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's has, where we're getting the, all of that. Everything's transitioning. Um, it, that, you have to be something else to go to cinema. Yeah. And it, it is disappointing because you've still got places like Annapurna... Um, films. Films wanting to make them, but then they just financially crumble because yeah. it, it's not a viable market. Yeah. And that, that is on us as consumers for not... Getting out of the fucking house and going yeah. to the fucking cinema once in a while. 100%. But to be honest, like, I haven't <laughs> gone to the cinema for ages since Miff. Mm. Have you? Yeah. Oh. I just <laughs> like staying in. Fair enough. Oh, yeah, you went to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. I'll watch that when it comes to DVD. Yeah, fair enough. And you buy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that we do have a hole in the market. Yeah, there now. But as far as getting a message across to to people, I mean, it, we've got the hole in the market, but I still think that me- there is a platform still to get that message. Yes, across there to is. People. That's right. But I think it's harder for us as adults to know what that that is because yep. it's buried in the depths of Netflix 100%. amongst like so many other film and TV shows, and yep. we're not the target audience, that's so. It. We don't seek it out. So yeah. maybe there's... It is like... Yeah, it I did give me a shock because when I think about teen, what teens are watching on Netflix, I think about 13 Reasons Why because we yeah. talk, yeah. talk about that in class a bit and um, I remember when it came out and my year 9, year 10 students were saying that they were watching it and it is a full-on show. Mm. Like that scene at the end where the main I character... I have read discourse on it. <laughs> yeah, she takes her own life. Um, it's actually been edited out now because it's so graphic. Yeah. So Netflix actually edited out last 
year, I think, like last year or early this year, because there was just so much backlash from mental health organizations and all of that stuff. But the problem with Netflix and that was that parents didn't know what their kids were watching because they're just on the computer watching Netflix mm-hmm. and they've got, there's no control over that or not that I'm saying there should be control, but I think it's important to be aware so you yeah. can have conversations. Well, that's just it. And it comes back to a message. I think we put <laughs> again, not, not to sound like too condescending to everyone, but a message that we put forward a couple of times in this podcast is media has no place in being blindly consumed. Yes. You know, there, there's no value at all in just, just watching for the sake of watching. And Netflix does does encourage that. Yes. It encourages the binging binge watching, and yeah. what you know, watching stuff for the sake of watching it yeah. rather than engaging, I guess, with, engaging it. with it in the message. Yeah. Um, which, yep. which is hard with Netflix and it's also hard for movies that go for three years. <laughs> I thought it was seven. It's cut down now. Yeah, oh cut my down. God. Yes. Netflix went back and edited this too. Hard <laughs> 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 <After> complaints from, <laughs> from you. From middle class white men. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they actually got into that quite quick because, you know. <laughs> I thought you were going to say middle age. I was like, Paul, come on. <laughs> Don't be hard on yourself. <laughs> I know with my diet. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. We jumped off it there. So, um, special features. Oh, I, did you watch the trailer? No, I didn't. There's only one special feature on here, and it's a trailer, and the trailer is just so brilliant. Oh, cool. Um, I'll put uh, it look, up on the uh, Facebook page. I've, I've got, you know, a sideways thumb to the film, but, like, double thumbs, thumbs up, up go to this trailer. It is just the most brilliant 90s, like... It's just like this trance music. It's like, do, 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 and just, like, cuts of all, like, these people feeling emotion, and then it the music fades out and there's just Drew Barrymore in her angel outfit going, breathe. And then she comes back with, do, do, do. Does it have a voiceover? No. Oh. It is like, it it is just, if you want to see, like, it feels like uh, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Oh, I love that movie. Which I imagine probably is what they were maybe going for. Was this before or after? Like, with with the advertising for it. Oh, that's true. Period piece. I reckon this is around the same time. Yeah. I think they were sort of hooking into with that there. And man, if you saw this wanting to see mm, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, you would be bitterly disappointed. Romeo and Juliet was 1996. Yeah. So this was two years after. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. The ad's very much placing it like that. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, it's a very, very different film. Oh, yeah. I don't think... I don't hopefully, think I'd call Romeo and Juliet boring. I don't think... <laughs> I would call this boring. <laughs> yeah, we get it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think marketing it as a Romeo and Juliet would be clever. That's actually so funny that you now mention that it's about Romeo and Juliet because I'm looking at the cover in detail and there's a heart with a cross through it that looks very, very similar to what is on Romeo and Juliet's cover. Mm. Oh, I do go back and watch that trailer and... That's interesting. And I think that's really not smart because I think you're right. I think people would be disappointed if they thought they were going in to see another Romeo and Juliet and they watched this. I think also like different film. You could have marketed this more as a family fun adventure. Yeah. 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 That's kind of what it would be to me. Very much so. And I think looking at it and maybe that's what I was going that was part of my problem in watching it is I thought it was going to be a bit more um, action heavy or something. Or I don't know. Adult Dark. When I say adult orientated, I don't just mean like Risque. Yeah, I just but mean, you mean like a bit more serious, dealing it, with some yeah. darker themes. Or, yeah, yeah. Well, not even darker, but just a bit. I don't know. What do you mean, Paul? I, I don't know anymore, Beck. So, but that's really that's interesting because it's only rated PG, mm. which it deserves to be rated. Oh, it yeah. is a family film. There's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing in here that will offend. So really. I, I'm interested that, and, and I. Yeah, when I watched this, I had no concept of the advertising around yeah. it. It was at PG all. 13 in the states. Was it? Yeah. Why? Hmm? State the state's rating system's weird. 
Why would it be PG-13? What happens in it? Oh, she gets whipped, but you don't even see it. You see, no. you just see her marks on her oh, back. And someone says shit too. That's it. Oh, yeah, they do say They're shit. very sensitive coarse language in the States. Right. Yeah. Extreme violence, they're fine with. Like, no, honestly, it speaks 100% to their culture. Yeah. You know, you could have... <laughs> you A know, guns pulled out over. everywhere. <laughs> just going off. And then someone says fuck twice. And you're like, whoa! Ah, go straight to the R rating. That's it. Yeah. Uh... Do you have anything else you want to say about this film? No, I, I, I feel the guilt. Yeah, like you came should. In, came in, came you, in strong You here. did come in strong. I deserve at, an at apology. The the, at the end of the day, it's just a movie I didn't like. Bad, such a such a bad word. <laughs> this is just... I, I didn't find it... In, I was not entertained. Are you not entertained? Yes. Gladiator. Russell Crowe? My answer would be, I am not entertained. Oh, mine would be, yes, I am. Thank you very much. You know? We'll come across movies that I like and you don't like. Will we? I've got a lot to get through. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm going to steer you away from the ones that I don't want to watch. Also, the problem is because I feel like there's nothing here offensive and there's no actual reason to be against this film. No, it's so good. I thought it was a bit dry. Yeah, you just... just... But yeah, we'll come across ones that in my collection that you'll have every right to be against <laughs> and you'll be like but it's so good oh i don't know yeah it's see you can exactly <laughs> it's because i'm more open to films you're very closed off i'm closed off i'm, I'm closed off to films that's my problem is it? i just think that you know with the films that you that we've watched that are yours and mm-hmm. i was like they're not good you're like yeah i speak sense and they're not good because mm. i'm always right but with this one, I'm still right, and you're not open to me being—you're <laughs> just not open to me being right. Interesting point. I look forward to this um, being a theme of podcasts going forward. Yeah, I think. <laughs> Speaking of which, I think we've probably drawn to an end. All right. <laughs> um, what am I going to do with the film? Oh, I know what you're going to do. With it. <laughs> of course, I'm going to keep it. Yep. <laughs> As I said to my mum when I was 12 years old. I will always have a DVD player so mm. I can watch this film. <laughs> well, actually, it was VHS, but now it's DVD. Yeah. But I guess I could buy it on a streaming service. But I like having it because it's got yeah. that weird guy on the front who's actually not the actor who plays the prince. Yeah. And Drew Barrymore looking like Julie Stiles. She doesn't look anything like Julie Stiles. Yeah. You need glasses. <laughs> Maybe, <I'd do> <laughs> Maybe that's why I didn't enjoy this movie. I think it might be. It's just a heap of weird coloured blobs moving around. <laughs> Uh, we want to hear your strong opinions on this film too. Yeah, everyone get on board my side. I just, Team I, Beck. I just went very close to the microphone, sorry about that. Um, I'm going to have some t-shirts printed up called I Love Ever After. Yep. I'm with Beck. Parentheses, a Cinderella story. <laughs> Hashtag Team Beck. It's Ever After Forever. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm going to keep Hashtag it. Hashtag Team Closed for Film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hashtag Team Closed Minded. Yeah, that's I'm going to keep this film... Mm-hmm. And hopefully I will have a DVD player forever. But as we have, I have experienced, it actually is getting harder and harder to watch DVDs. So I don't know. I guess one day I'll buy it on a streaming service. I have one. You can come over to my oh, house thanks. and watch it. I'll make you watch it with me. <laughs> <laughs> but best. do tell us your opinions on Ever After. Please do. Or on other Cinderella stories. Mm. If you wanted to be a princess, tell us that. Tell us your favorite princess. My sister really liked um, Jasmine, Princess Jasmine. She's pretty badass. Yeah, she was pretty cool. Yeah. Who did you want to be? I, I always wanted to be I don't know Ariel. who I want to be now, Beck. That's true. Who am I? Who am I? <laughs> I wanted to be Ariel. Anyway, that's uh, pretty much it, I think. So I'm keeping the movie. Yep. Joining our conversation. <laughs> at Twitter, at Instagram, 
on Facebook, DVD Clutter, D-V-D-E-C-L-U-T-T-E-R. That's right. Um, and you can also email us at gmail.com, at dvdclutter at gmail.com, I should say, mm. um, if you want to. I mean, why not? Because we know you're out there. We, we do. are addicted to our statistics, and we're so glad to hear you listening. Um, if you want to do us a big favour, though, what you could do is... Rate, review, and subscribe. And that's it. On iTunes, um, tell your friends and tell your enemies. Tell everyone. Tell your fairy godmother. That's it. Who doesn't exist? <laughs> Off sitting somewhere with a pumpkin. Um, send your pumpkins to Paul's yep. home address. That's it. Which is no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week for a, another DVD. Love it. Bye. Bye.